is more of a lockout than a shutdown. Maybe it's even more of a shakedown, brothers and sisters. It's a shakedown. Yep, it's a shakedown. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. It is not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles and environs. In uh, California, also up in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountain in, on KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. I will tell you this. Nothing about any of this is going to end well. The partial federal government shutdown is now officially the longest in U.S. history. As Donald Trump refuses to back off his demand for $5.7 billion from Congress to begin building his border wall... As Democrats refuse to agree to the demand and as Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate Majority Leader, refuses to allow the Senate to vote on identical measures that they just voted for before the end of the year and agreed to to open the government back up. The same bills that had passed the Senate almost unanimously just weeks ago, right before Christmas, McConnell will not allow to come up for a vote right now. This shutdown crisis could be over almost immediately if McConnell allowed a vote on the same stuff that his party, along with Democrats and the president himself, had all agreed to before Christmas. But for now, anyway, Mitch McConnell will not do that. On Thursday, Donald Trump said he would almost definitely be declaring a national emergency to force the building of the wall by the U.S. Defense Department. But on Friday, Donald Trump said for now he would not yet declare a national emergency, one that nobody actually believes is any sort of actual emergency. But it would be a way to get the government reopened as the fight over that pretend emergency then moved to the courts. 
The Trump administration, according to AP Today, is considering using billions in unspent disaster relief funds earmarked for areas including hurricane-pounded Puerto Rico and Texas and Florida and fire-ravaged California, as well as more than a dozen other states, to pay for Trump's border wall under a national emergency declaration that would bypass Congress entirely. So, Desi Doyen, money earmarked uh, for disasters, for disasters that have already been happened. For actual uh, national yeah. emergencies, actual disasters, yeah. Taking that money away from the Federal Emergency Management Agency is insane. Taking it away from the Army Corps of Engineers, which is trying to rebuild Puerto Rico and North Carolina yep. and Florida and all of the places that have been hit by these natural disasters. They're trying to build them right now. These are civil works projects. Uh, some it's of this, insane. Some of this money was earmarked to uh, fund projects uh, like flood control to prevent future disasters. An administration official with knowledge of the proposal said that it would fund construction of about 315 miles of border barrier, mostly in Texas, but also in Arizona and New Mexico. But it would take away money from places like, you know, Houston, Texas, where every time it rains at this point, they've got a major flood and people lose their houses and people die. In Texas, uh, specifically in in the Rio Grande Valley, where much of the construction for this uh, border wall would be, uh, funding for walls or fencing allocated last year by Congress has not yet been spent, but it is already causing legal problems for the government and nightmares for homeowners in the area. These are American citizens, by the way. And they are now saying the federal government threatened to take their land to build Trump's border wall on the banks of the Rio Grande River, where many have lived for generations. Families, homes and and even historic church sites are now threatened. And all of this is before Trump gets the five five point seven billion dollars that he's demanding for hundreds of more miles of barrier. And uh, before he even steals the money that was allocated to improve the lives of people in Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico and California after they have been devastated by various natural disasters. In any event, we will be joined momentarily by Ricky Garza, an attorney from the Texas Civil Rights Project who lives uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. And he is working with neighbors and property owners who are right now already facing legal threats of seizure by the federal government which wants to take their property. These are folks who have lived in the exact area where Donald Trump on Thursday flew for a photo op to insist there was a crisis that only a wall could solve. Those who actually live in the area, however, appear to feel otherwise. I will look forward to speaking to Garza shortly about all of that. Meanwhile, Democrats in Congress... Uh, have accused Trump of trying to manufacture a crisis at the southern border to justify the wall. Critics from both the right and the left of his uh, potential emergency declaration have said that the move would be an unconstitutional abuse of emergency powers. Even as Trump claimed on Thursday that his lawyers told him he has, quote, the absolute right to do this. But, you know, you, you may have noticed his uh, Trump's attorneys are not very good. And that is even if he wasn't lying about what they actually did or did not tell him. 
Uh, Congressman Mike Simpson of Idaho, a top Republican on the Appropriations Committee in the House, said that he has been hearing from lawmakers recently uh, who are concerned that Army Corps projects in their states could be canceled or postponed. If they drag the money out of here, Simpson said in an interview on Thursday, a lot of members will have a problem with it. This, these are, you know, members, including Republican members who have worked hard to get this money earmarked for their districts. And Trump is talking about taking it away from them, away from those districts. They're not going to be uh, very happy about this, including the Republicans. Well, if, they, they if could try forward. to do something about it. Well, that would be what they don't do that sort of thing. Uh, Peter DeFazio, um, the Democrat from Oregon, said that the Army Corps works on dams, levees and other projects across the nation and has an enormous backlog already of unfunded needs. It would be an incredible disservice to the American people and the economy to divert the money to the border wall. DeFazio is the uh, chair, the new chair of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Uh, projects they worked on there would be derailed by this diversion of, uh, of funding. Congresswoman Nydia Velasquez of New York said in a statement that it would be, quote, beyond appalling for the president to take money from places like Puerto Rico that have suffered enormous catastrophes, costing thousands of American citizens lives in order to pay for Trump's foolish, offensive and hateful wall, as she described it, siphoning funding from the Real disasters to pay for a crisis manufactured by the president is wholly unacceptable and the American people won't fall for it. In a more obnoxious objection to the declaration of a national emergency, Congressman Matt Gates, 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 I think it's Gates of uh, Florida, Republican. Yes, a huge Trump sycophant and a uh, and, and one of his protectors in Congress. He said that he doesn't want Trump to declare a national emergency to fund the wall because of the precedent that it would set for the next president for the next Democratic president. That, according to uh, a Wall Street Journal report, he said, I don't want the next national emergency to be that some Democrat president says we have to build transgender bathrooms in every elementary school in America. Obnoxious, yes, but a good indication of just some of the objections that are uh, even coming from the Trumpiest corners of the right-wing Trump party trying to figure their way out of this disaster, frankly, that Donald Trump is causing, this man-made disaster. Trump-made disaster. There you go. Meanwhile, as the shutdown reaches a record length in U.S. history, hundreds of thousands of federal workers have now missed what would have been a payday on Friday. Hundreds of government workers protested outside the White House on Thursday uh, as the shutdown is now uh, the longest in the history of the nation. Some 800,000 workers have been furloughed over the past three weeks or are working without pay after the government shut down on December 22. Workers from a variety of agencies attended the protest, which started in front of the AFL-CIO headquarters, made its way down to the White House. Protesters wore, some of them, bright vests, which read, I am a worker, I demand a voice. Others held signs saying things like, my paycheck is not leverage for 45's racism. 
Another sign read, we want work, not walls. Workers who spoke at the event focused on a desire to work, highlighting the difficulties of working without pay. The head of the National Treasury Employees Union urged politicians to, quote, remove federal employees from the middle of your political fight and treat federal employees with dignity. A Federal Aviation Administration employee who has been working through the shutdown without pay explained that beyond the financial difficulties, the shutdown was putting added stress on his family. A National Weather Service employee who drove to the rally after eight night shifts wanted to explain the collateral damage of the shutdown, telling the story of a co-worker who who has suffered from seizures over the past year but is unable to pay for her treatment currently. Her, he added that her doctor has told her stress from the shutdown could cause even more seizures. Here's a little bit of the uh, of, of the folks protesting on Thursday in, in protest of this historic federal government shutdown. Hello, my fellow pawns. We are middle-class Americans and cannot afford to, as President Trump said, wait for as long as it takes for our next paychecks. My creditors want cash, not IOUs. We're all wondering, how long will our families be able to hold out? These medical bills are now due. It turns out they do not take IOUs. I'm a father of a five-year-old, and I could stand up here and just tell you about the impact on my wallet, the impact of asking my landlord for flexibility in my rent, that I'm not receiving a paycheck through no fault of my own other than being a patriotic federal employee. But that's not the real lasting impact. The lasting impact I see is in my back seat driving home from his kindergarten. My son asking why do I seem worried, the impact of having to explain this political stunt to a five-year-old. I'm a gardener, and my job is to take care of the areas known as Presidential Park. I hate being off work. Not only the park being ignored, but I'm hurting financially. You know what this is like to worry about keeping a roof over your head and food on your table. I'm worried about that every day right now. That was uh, that last uh, person you heard talking there was a 54-year-old Talton Hall. He told the Washington Post in an interview later that he uh, was postponing hernia surgery. Mm. He said, I had to put that on the back burner because of the copay, he said. That's $20 that can go somewhere else. $20. American Federation of Government Employees President uh, David Cox Sr. told the protesters that Trump's effort at extortion is more of a lockdown than a shutdown, but maybe an even more accurate description, he says, is that it is a shakedown. The American Federation of Government Employees and National uh, Treasury Employees Union are now suing the federal government, arguing that it is against the law to require employees to work without pay. Hmm. Requiring people to work without pay. Yeah, that seems somewhat uh, unlawful. I think we used to call that slavery in this country, didn't we? Yes. Yes, we did. Members of law enforcement are also none too happy about the shutdown caused by the president who pretends to love law enforcement officials. In a letter sent to the White House and Congress, 
On Thursday, the association that represents thousands of FBI agents warned that a partial government shutdown could cause laboratory delays, reduce money for investigations, make it harder to recruit and retain agents. Well, that might be good news for this particular president. The FBI Agents Association sent a petition to the White House and congressional leaders encouraging them to fund the FBI immediately. As of Friday, 13,000 special agents missed their paychecks. For special agents, financial security is national security, said Tom O'Connor, the association's president. Nearly 5,000 special agents, intelligence analysts, and technical and professional staff are currently furloughed. 5,000. Those absences mean uh, FBI operations are understaffed and subject to delays, including at the FBI lab. O'Connor also said that the shutdown may cause delays in agents being able to get or renew security clearances, potentially disqualifying some of them from continuing to participate on certain cases. Again, he said uh, Donald Trump may not be too unhappy about this part of the story. O'Connor said it could make it harder to recruit and retain agents who could find better paying or more stable jobs outside the government. Down in Florida, Miami International Airport is closing a terminal this weekend due to the government shutdown because security screeners have been calling in sick at twice the rate uh, that the uh, airport normally sees. Friday marks the first day that screeners missed their paychecks, and airport spokesperson Greg Chin said there's a concern that there won't be enough workers to handle the 11 checkpoints during normal hours over the weekend. The terminal serves uh, United Airlines along with smaller carriers. Its closure means also that restaurants and shops that depend on departing flights, those will also be closed over the weekend. There's a broader economic hit to every community that has federal government workers in their community, and that's every state and almost every community. NBC News is reporting that the government shutdown means that the long-leaking roof of the San Jose Manor Apartments will not be replaced anytime soon, according to uh, Alma Ballard, who oversees the building for low-income senior citizens in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, where the water from storms in Florida has at times dripped into some of the residents' rooms. Ballard said family housing management, um, which is a nonprofit company, uh, has been uh, saving up for a uh, for a new roof for the 50-unit government-subsidized property. She's uh, had to put those plans on hold, however, because its contract with the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, uh, Housing and Urban Development, was still in the process of being renewed when the shutdown began. And since it began, all of that uh, renewal process has stopped. The company never received its December and January payments from HUD, totaling about $40,000, which immediately put the property under financial strain and put the plans for a new roof before the upcoming storm season on hold. More than 200 of the contracts that expired in December are for uh, for properties like the San Jose Manor that provide rental assistance for the elderly, according to an association for nonprofit providers of aging services. The program houses about 400,000 low-income elderly people as part of 
HUD's housing programs for senior citizens. And those uh, properties, as we discussed earlier in the week, uh, many of the properties under HUD are not receiving their assistance, which could result in uh, evictions for some of the people that live there. I mean, let's just and, get uh, property so, uh, uh, repairs for these uh, facilities where senior citizens live. Yeah, and that one organization handles four hundred thousand low-income, fixed-income seniors. On our previous broadcast, we noted that the Food and Drug Administration has stopped doing uh, almost all of its food safety inspections of the nation's food supply during the shutdown. That just weeks after a major E. coli outbreak hit the nation's romaine lettuce supply. So why worry? On Thursday, to address the crisis, the House of Representatives passed a bill that would reopen the small portions of the federal government that are responsible for agriculture, food and food safety. The legislation was approved in the U.S. House by a 243 to 183 vote. Just 10 Republicans joined the Democratic majority in support of this bill, while the remaining 183 Republicans voted against it. Again, this has nothing to do with the wall. This has to do with food safety at the FDA. And yet 183 Republicans voted against it. H.R. 265 would provide funding for the rest of the year for the Department of Agriculture, that's the USDA and uh, and the Food and Drug Administration. It's almost identical to a bill that was uh, passed and what was included in a bipartisan spending bill that passed the Senate before Christmas, 92 to 6 last year. But it never became law because it couldn't pass in the uh, in the House when it was under Republican control. Now it has passed in the House, but Republicans in the Senate won't allow it to come up for a vote. Uh, minutes before the passage of that bill to reopen and fully fund the USDA and FDA, 12 Republicans joined with all 232 Democrats to pass a separate bill to reopen the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Remember those senior citizens who live in properties at risk from lack of payment from HUD? Now, the Congress... Both the uh, House and the Senate could override any presidential veto for any of these bills with a two thirds vote. Uh, but for the moment, both uh, bills appear likely to go nowhere because Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked a unanimous cons uh, consent request on Thursday to pass a House approved bill to reopen the federal government, dismissing it as, quote, an absolutely pointless show vote. Well, it is not a uh, pointless show vote if they allow them to vote on it because there is easily enough uh, votes in both the House and Senate, I suspect, to reopen the government if both chambers are allowed to vote on it. But even without the shutdown and even without the $5.7 billion demand for border wall construction that Donald Trump is holding the federal government and indeed the nation a hostage to, landowners, American citizens living near the southern border are already facing the loss of their property, the theft of their property by the U.S. government as the Republican political fight comes home to the Rio Grande Valley in Texas where Donald Trump held his photo opportunity at the border on th Thursday. We'll take a quick break here, and we will be back with that story and one of the folks helping landowners 
protect themselves, not from an invading horde of immigrants, but from the U.S. government. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. That's what you'd think. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As President Donald Trump traveled to the border in Texas on Thursday to make the case for his $5.7 billion border wall, landowner Eloisa Cavazos says she knows firsthand how the project will play out if the White House gets its way. The federal government has already started surveying land along the border in Texas and announced plans to start construction next month. Rather than surrender their land, some property owners are digging in, vowing to reject buyout offers and preparing to fight the administration in court. Cavazo says you could give me a trillion dollars and I wouldn't take it. The river separates the U.S. and Mexico in Texas. Her property sits along that river, the Rio Grande. She says it's not about money. To us, this is heaven. The Cavazos family's roughly 64 acres were purchased by their grandmother 60 years ago. They rent some of the property to tenants who have built small houses or brought in trailers. They charge some as little as $1,000 a year. They live off the earnings from the land, and they worry that a fence would deter renters and turn their property into a no-man's land. On the rest of the property are plywood barns, enclosures for cattle and goats, and a wooden deck that extends into the river which flows serenely east toward the Gulf of Mexico. Eloise's brother Fred can sit in his wheelchair and fish off the wooden deck that extends into the river. In March of last year, Congress funded 33 miles of walls and fencing in Texas. The government has laid out plans that would cut across private land in the Rio Grande Valley. Private land. Those in the way include landowners who have lived in the valley for generations, as well as environmental groups and a 19th century chapel. The AP reports that the opposition will intensify if Democrats accede to the to the Trump administration's demand to build more than 215 new miles of wall, including 104 miles in the Rio Grande Valley. Nada Alvarez wants nothing to do with any such border wall, but her acre of land in Rio Grande City, Texas, where she lives in a brown house along the dividing line between the U.S. and uh, between the U.S. and Mexico, 
has become of great interest to the U.S. government, according to the Washington Post. She, along with dozens of other landowners in the Rio Grande Valley, received surprise letters from the federal government in recent months. Requests from officials who are seeking access to their properties right now for surveys, soil tests, equipment storage and other action. It is, according to lawyers and experts, the first step in the government trying to seize private property using the power of eminent domain to build hundreds of miles of wall, some of which passes through land like Alvarez's. She's a 47-year-old high school teacher, and she refuses to sign over access to her property for the surveys. Uh, Her property was handed down from her grandfather. She says, I'm against the wall because I'm going to get evicted by it. The letters are the first of a two-step process that the government uses in cases of eminent domain. It first requests surveys of the land. Uh, which landowners often agree to. And then if the land is suitable for the government's intended use, it moves to take the land, either by convincing the owners to sell or turn to the uh, courts to force the sale. The government sued the local Roman Catholic diocese last year to gain access for its surveyors at the site of La Lomita Chapel, a small 150-year-old church where mass, weddings, and funerals are held in a Palm Sunday procession takes place each year, drawing some 2,000 people. The church, which opened in 1865, was an important site for missionaries who traveled the Rio Grande Valley by horseback. It remains an epicenter of the Rio Grande Valley's Catholic community. It's a short distance from the Rio Grande River. It falls directly into the area where Customs and Border Protection want to build an enforcement zone, a 150-feet area in front of any new wall construction for access roads and cameras and lighting, etc. The diocese says it opposes a border wall because the barrier violates Catholic teachings and the church's responsibility to protect migrants. Taking the land to build a wall, said Mary McCord, a visiting professor at Georgetown Law and and a former Justice Department official now working on the Catholic diocese case, substantially burdens the exercise of religion. And the government has not articulated a compelling reason it needs to build a wall there. A person cannot be compelled, McCord said, to participate in something that violates their firmly held religious beliefs. That's something the... Trump administration and Republicans have pretended to care about in recent years, at least when it meant gutting sections of President Obama's Affordable Care Act. But the letters being sent to private property owners are the first of this two-step process. And the Texas Civil Rights Project is now trying to let people know that they are not required to respond to these letters. They are not required to sign over access to their land. They're going door-to-door in some neighbors, uh, neighborhoods, letting people know their rights, and they are running digital ads and spots on local radio. If you don't have a lawyer, you're just going to get railroaded, said Efren Olivares of the Texas Civil Rights Project in the Washington Post story. We're trying to make sure this isn't going to happen. Legal experts say Trump likely cannot even waive eminent domain, which requires the government to demonstrate a public use for the land even if he declares a national emergency, as he has threatened to do. In other words, even if he declares a national emergency and wins the inevitable court cases over whether he's allowed to use such a declaration to divert money from the uh, from U.S. military defense spending in order to build his wall, 
Even then, the government would still be facing dozens, if not hundreds, of challenges from landowners whose property would be confiscated for use on Trump's wall project. Without that national emergency declaration, the government is already facing challenges from many landowners for the walling and fencing that has already been approved by Congress and the president. In other words, it could be argued that what Donald Trump describes as a crisis at the border is actually already a legal crisis for many longtime American citizens living along the border who did not ask for this fight. Joining us now for more on this is Ricky Garza, staff attorney in the Rio Grande Valley for the Texas Civil Rights Project, a nonprofit legal organization and one of the most influential civil rights organizations in the state. Mr. Garza, thank you for joining us on the broadcast. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Uh, how many uh, people or property owners are we talking about in the Rio Grande Valley who, here who are currently affected by these uh, by these letters, by this, uh, these threats from the government, even before uh, uh, Trump somehow muscles through his $5 billion for a wall? So what we know right now is that hundreds of um, letters have already gone out to landowners across the Rio Grande Valley. And really, just from that introductory description, that you just gave, um, the, the breadth of landowners that, that live and, 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 and work and recreate and, and have grown up in, in the Rio Grande Valley is really just um, shown by the, um, the, the diversity of people who own property right, right on the river. Like you mentioned, we have a historic Catholic church that's over 150 years old. You have agricultural landowners, and you have people who are just homesteaders, small, low-income families who live along the border and make their home in, in the neighborhoods that um, that really are connected to, to Mexico and to the United States. And really, the, the Rio Grande Valley is a diverse region of over a million people that lives and dies by the water that comes from the river. We're a binational, bicultural community. And um, the people who, who live here, I think, understand the realities that you can't just build a wall along the international border and expect everything to um, right next to it to be unaffected. You, the, the actual boundary between the United States and Mexico lies within the river itself. And of course, there's no proposal to build anything um, inside the, the, the river itself and in the water. So um, what the government has resorted to is um, using its eminent domain power given to it by the Constitution to, um, to take people's lands. And it may not be the case in the rest of the Southwest, but here in Texas, the majority of um, land uh, along the border is privately held. So um, in order to to build any wall, they would have to go through private landowners first. And that's exactly what we're seeing with our clients. And I, I think, because a lot of people, I, I, I don't th think, understand this. We're talking about uh, where the Rio Grande uh, cuts across uh, the border the border runs, as you said, uh, sort of right through the middle of the river. So there's basically two choices if you want to build a wall. You either have to build it on the Mexican side, which they're probably not going to want to, uh, <laughs> not going to be in favor of, or you build it on the American side, which means you're cutting off all of these people. You're cutting off their yes. access from the river, correct? From the river itself. Yes, that, that's, that's right. And we have one client who um, tells us that she learned to fish and to swim and grew up going to to their property along the river and we're able to just swim in it freely and i think the the contrary to any um assertion of a crisis by the president the only crisis that exists now is um is artificially created by this administration and 
to be sure, this is not the first administration we've seen try to seize um, land along the border. Right now, there is border fencing that has already been been built um, along the river. Some of it has already um, there is some money that's already been appropriated, and, and, and lands are sought to be to be seized um, right now. So, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens with the shutdown fight and with Trump's demands, um, there is already over a billion dollars appropriated. Um, for more border wall construction than we already have now. And that is, is something that already the, the local community knows is, is not going to, um, to, make any, to make any real difference or solve any, to solve any perceived problem. And yet the, uh, the, the government continues its uh, path of destruction in, in, in my home. The uh, you mentioned uh, Trump's claim that there is a crisis here. Is there any sense in the Rio Grande Valley at all that such a crisis actually does exist? After all, these are people Trump is telling us that there are violent people, crimes, drugs, everything else coming across the border. You would think that the people who actually live on the border would be the first ones affected by that. Is there any sense at all that there is actually a crisis or uh, I guess, and or is there something that the, the, uh-huh. the folks in the Rio Grande might want to improve uh, border security, but not a wall? You know, I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley. I was I was born and raised in McAllen, and the only time I heard any talk about a crisis along the border was when I turned on cable news and CNN <laughs> and Fox. And um, you see the uh, the artificially created crisis that that comes from Washington every few years. Unfortunately. Um, for border residents, this is just the latest example of Washington coming down and um, looking at the border and saying that we need um, something that the local community doesn't want. Polling consistently shows that an overwhelming majority of people who actually live and work on the border oppose um, a border wall and, and, and oppose militarization of our communities. And what what we're seeing on, on the ground is that people are having their lives interrupted by this uh, in, intrusion onto the, the, into the borderlands um, by, by the federal government and um, by border militarization. We've seen um, a decrease in apprehensions along the border, yet an increase in border patrol hiring and staffing and construction of things like the border wall and um, erection of things like uh, security towers along the areas close to the river and Aerostat blimps that were formerly used in Iraq um, now deployed in um, some neighborhoods in the Rio Grande Valley to um, surveil the the border and um, in, implicitly all of us. So I think that you know the the only crisis is is is, is coming from the uh, the administration's response it, itself, and it's just a uh, another sad example of um, the federal government failing to understand the realities of, of life on the border and um, what it's really like for, for us just trying to live our lives um, in peace. The, uh, the Washington Post notes that your group is going door-to-door to reach out to property owners to let them know about their mm-hmm. rights. What sort, of, uh, what sort of reception are you getting from those folks? Do, uh, are people who are receiving these letters, do they understand that there is legal help out there to challenge them? Yeah, so I think it's really going to vary based on where where you go, right? Because if you look at um, the the delay of the Rio Grande Valley, um, there's Cameron County, Hidalgo County, and Star County. Those are the three counties, the southernmost counties of the state of Texas, um, that that border the Rio Grande. And in places like Cameron County and Hidalgo County, that's where the larger cities of McAllen and Brownsville are located, a little more urbanized, 
um, uh, and and not most of the uh, the cities, with the exception of Brownsville, um, are not actually touching the uh, the international boundary itself. McAllen, for example, is offset by about ten miles or so. So um, landowners along the actual river tend to be more um, agricultural owners. Mm-hmm. Um, the federal government might own some land outright itself, and the name of something like the the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, or a, uh, a uh, National Wildlife Refuge, like we saw with the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge, which was actually exempted by um, legislation and the rare example of mm. um, a, a protection given to, uh, given to an ecological resource. But if you go further um, west to the, the more rural and um, even lower-income Star County, you see communities like Roma and Rio Grande City and um, places that are smaller towns, but they're central town sites and they're concentration of populations are actually very close to the river itself. So there are some um, subdivisions and neighborhoods where uh, an entire street's backyards are the river itself. Mm. And um, I I had the opportunity to go out to to Roma last summer um, and and go door-to-door in that that community, and I think the reception was was generally positive, but the, the takeaway is that so many folks just don't know their rights just because the, the the power the federal government um, has in a in, in eminent domain is um, wide reaching. Does that doesn't mean that there aren't consequent due process rights for landowners as well? Um, we we have it in our basic law that um, the government has the right to take private property for public use, but landowners are owed um, their due process as well and are owed um, just compensation. And what we're seeing in in reality is that. Folks are getting a a letter from the Department of Justice um, asking them to voluntarily turn over their land for surveying purposes and then ultimately turn over their land for condemnation. Um, and if they don't answer that letter, which they are under no obligation to, to do, they'll get a home visit from somebody from either the Department of Justice, the uh, Army Corps of Engineers, and uh, those folks are often accompanied by a Border Patrol agent in a Border Patrol vehicle. That's what we've been told by by our clients uh, here in the valley. And if you're not somebody extremely familiar with the with your rights, I would be intimidated too. If a yeah. border patrol van came up to my came up to my apartment and asked me um, to sign something, so yeah. imagine folks that may not may not speak English, may not understand um, the the full extent of their rights, regardless of something like immigration status. Um, that you know, it could be intimidating. So that's where we come in to uh, to to advise folks of their of their rights and to ensure them that the government does have great power in eminent domain, but that doesn't mean that landowners can't fight back. And what what are their rights in this case? As I understand it, once the government actually surveys a property and determines that the land fits their need, the it, it's then up to the government, isn't it? Isn't the uh, the only question how much the landowners will actually get for their property? The government will take it no matter what, and then it's uh, a fight in court about how much money they get. In other words, is there any way to actually stop the government if they decide they want a particular piece of land? So it it's, it is it is an interesting question, but what we've seen in in the valley is that. There, even you, you would think that there, are, there are very few defenses, and in, and in some sense that that is the case. But we've seen things where um, the actual ownership of of land is not fully asserted by the government. So, in essence, they are um, asking for for land to be turned over, 
um, by one person or by a small group of people, and when you actually go back to the land records, those people may not fully own the land. And um, the government is under an obligation to fully advise all um, people with an interest in, in the land um, in, in order to actually take that land. So mm-hmm. um, to, to take the land, you have to first know who owns it. And in places uh, where there are more um, homeowners like Star County, you have a, a, a land um, record system that dates back to the Spanish land grants from the, uh, from the 18th century. So I know the, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers has had trouble in some cases even asserting who owns land in the first place. And we would argue that it is, um, it is legally inadequate to try to take a piece of land from somebody who may not even own it in the, um, in the sense that the government is, uh, is arguing. Have uh, has the community rallied around? Uh, I was I was struck by this story about the La Lomita Chapel, the 150 yeah. year old mm-hmm. uh, chapel, uh, and and looking at the the layout of the land there. I mean, it seems to me that they would have to basically cut this historic site off entirely from the river, if not desecrate the the chapel itself in some fashion. Is that a rallying point for the uh, for the community there, or is, or is that just an interesting uh, historic tidbit that uh, some of the in the media have noticed? Yeah, no, I, I really think it is a rallying point for the entire Rio Grande Valley, and it's hard to underestimate the extent of how much something like La Lomita um, is embedded in the fabric of the of the valley's culture. I've been out to to La Lomita, and it is one of the the oldest religious structures still standing in in the entire region um, which is pre uh, predominantly and uh, uh, disproportionately Catholic and it just highlights the fact that if a wall is going to be built it can't actually be built on the banks of the river itself so then there's this entire no-man's land that's created um, ensnaring places like like La Lomita and La Lomita was one of the original Catholic missions of the Rio Grande Valley. Right next to McAllen, directly to the west, is um, the city of Mission, Texas. That city is about half the size of McAllen. It forms part of the greater um, McAllen metro. And the city of Mission was named for La Lomita Chapel. And um, the city seal features the image of the church um, on expressways in the Rio Grande Valley, um, driving from town to town. I've seen the symbol of Alameda emblazoned on parts of the uh, the, the highway that, that run through Mission, Texas, and I think it's it's a part of the it's a part of the community and a part of the religious identity that it really. Um, can cannot be underestimated. Well, don't worry. They'll just uh, we'll just put some uh, beautiful steel slats on the uh, on the <laughs> seal uh, right. for the city of Mission. Ricky Garza, um, before I let you go here, uh, who is funding this effort on behalf of uh, these landowners? This is a big project you've got, and it is set to get a whole lot bigger if uh, if Trump gets his five billion dollars. Uh, are you guys the uh, the the Texas uh, Civil Rights Project uh, picking up the cost for uh, for homeowners in this battle? So we're working with um, with uh, we're planning to work with pro bono partners, and um, the Texas Civil Rights Project is supported by a, a mix of um, grants and individual donations. We're always looking for um, for more support uh, at our website, TexasCivilRightsProject.org. But we um, are enlisting the help of. Um, of anyone we of anyone we can and pro bono partners and um, other legal organizations to uh, to to take this fight to to the government because we 
um, know that landowners do have do have rights and do have their due process owed under the Constitution, and we um, don't want to see the, the the government take take our land in in the sacred spaces of the Rio Grande Valley without without a fight. So we're going to be here uh, as, as long as we have to, doing just that. Ricky Garza, I am uh, very happy you guys are there. I have been happy, uh, as I know the Texas Civil Rights Project has fought for voting rights down there in Texas. You guys were sort of first on the scene when uh, the, the family separation crisis yeah. under mm-hmm. Donald Trump uh, came about. Uh, so thank you mm-hmm. all for the work that you're doing there. Uh, Ricky Garza is staff attorney uh, in the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Civil Rights Project, which, as he says, you can find and support, donate to at TexasCivilRightsProject.org. Ricky Garza, greatly appreciate you joining us today on the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank Keep you. up the good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break here and come back with... Um, This is just kind of amazing, an amazing television show from 1958 that uh, predicted our situation in a way that is just kind of mind-blowing. Is that the way to put it, Des? Yeah, I would say it went, yeah, definitely. Mind-blowing. All right, take a quick break and come back uh, to Blow Your Mind right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Sort of. I don't know if this is a back to the back to the future, forward to the past. I don't know. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. But this is really amazing. Uh, I don't. Maybe you've seen this because a uh, few people have been uh, running this today. But I was just blown away by it. this. Is in, in 1958, CBS aired an episode of a show called Trackdown, in which a con man played by Lawrence Dobkin, attempted to sell a town a uh, quote-unquote wall in order to protect them from the, what was a fake threat of a meteor shower. That was going to kill everybody at midnight. Now, how was uh, how would a wall protect you against uh, meteors? Well, eventually we find out that that wall is actually umbrellas, but... Uh, And, of course, they wouldn't protect you from meteors either. It was all a con. But the show's main character, Robert Culp, uh, or played by Robert Culp, ultimately exposes this man as a fraud who was plotting with the town sheriff to sell the wall and enrich himself and then get out of town. It's like an episode of The Twilight Zone. And, frankly, you can't get any weirder or more prescient as... um, a blogger over Daily Coast named Azure uh, described. But uh, this is real. Snopes.com confirmed the authenticity of this. This was a a 30-minute show, about 22 minutes without commercials, but uh, it's uh, condensed down here to about four minutes um, when it was originally posted to YouTube, apparently back in November of 2016. 
And yes, I swear to God, this is real and it is amazing, not just that there's a con man trying to sell a town on a wall, but the character of the con man selling the wall to this town to protect them is actually named, well, you'll see. I bring you a message, a message few of you will be able to believe. A message of great importance. A message I alone was able to read in the fires of the universe. But be not afraid, my friends. I also bring you the means with which to save yourselves. Save us from what? From the end of the world, friend. Which I don't expect you to believe. But the rest of you, those who want to be alive tomorrow morning, I will tell you tonight. Remember that. Bring your friends here. I'll tell you tonight, so that you will be able to prepare. What are you selling, Mr. Snake Oil? The world will come to a flaming end at midnight tonight. Without my help and knowledge, every one of you will be dead. Planning to remain in town for long? Well, I understand I have until midnight. Uh, your name is Trump? All right, Sheriff. How long are you going to put up with this? What do you mean? How long are you going to let this con man walk around town? Be careful, son. I can sue you. How about it, Sheriff? When are you going to put the lid on? What for? Well, stealing is stealing, whether you do it with a gun or a mouthful of mealy words. I don't intend to sit here and be insulted, Sheriff. If your people don't want my help, I can go elsewhere. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Trump. You don't talk for the rest of us. <laughs> Since the Sheriff wouldn't stop Trump, Hobie had to find somebody who would. Sheriff Chet Farrow was the gun law and helper, and Judge Clement was the book law. You hear about Trump? <laughs> yes, sir. What are you going to do about him? What do you want me to do? Stop him. From what? From taking a town. Can you prove that that's what he has in mind? Well, it's obvious. <laughs> but can you prove it? In order to arrest him, the sheriff has to have a charge. And Trump hasn't given him a thing to go on. Well, there's got to be some way to stop him. Well, if there is, I don't know it. Uh, it's a funny thing. Sir? When we were kids, we were all afraid of the dark. And we grew up, and we weren't afraid anymore, but... It's funny how a big lie can make us all kids again. Hobie had checked the town. The people were ready to believe. Like sheep, they ran toward the slaughterhouse. And waiting for them was the high priest of fraud. I am the only one. Just me. I can build a wall around your homes that nothing will penetrate. What do we do? How do we save ourselves? You ask, how do you build that wall? You ask, and I'm here to tell you. You're a liar, Trump. There's not going to be any rain of fire. Can you deny the meteorites will come? Can you deny the comet? Well, it's not going to happen the way you say it is. Aren't you going to stay for the fireworks? Huh? Looks like you're going to go before everything's done. I've done all I can for Talpa. Figure it's time for me to be moving on. Well, I think you ought to wait. It's where you and I disagree. You're under arrest, Trump. What charge? Well, you write it any way you like. Grand theft, fraud, I think a jury will find it stealing. 
That's for real. That really happened. That really happened. Uh, that was uh, the uh, 1958 episode of Trackdown on CBS titled The End of the World with Lawrence Dobkin playing the role of Walter Trump selling a town on a wall as a con. That seems impossible. And yet it's real. Well, I was going to say, according to Snopes, it's real. But uh, yeah, it's it is real because you can actually look at the video of it. A representative <laughs> for MeTV, according to Snopes, which is a Chicago network that airs reruns of Trackdown, confirmed that the episode was real. Oh, yeah. And that's actually Robert Culp. I can confirm that, too. I, I, I mean, it seems impossible. Uh, the they uh, you know waiting for the high priest of fraud Trump saying I am the only one trust me I can build a wall around your home that nothing will penetrate. It's just kind of amazing. Well, and that's where we are. It's that's 2019, are. and that's where we are. And there was one part of the dialogue uh, that I think where one of the characters says, "I bet it fits," talking about the name Trump. And uh, a judge warns the ranger, I don't know if it was in that clip, I live here, I know these people pretty well, and right now there's nothing in the world that can change their minds about Trump, and anybody who tries to could end up getting hurt. They're not going to listen. I, I, uh, anyway, I, I just I looked at this for I don't know how long last night trying to figure out if this was fake or not. It's got to be fake. And but it's not. It, it is not. Amazing. Anyway, hope you enjoy that. Uh, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Ricky Garza of the Texas Civil Rights Project, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. And other than that, as ever, my thanks to those who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's how we stay on the air. You folks who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. All right, that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman, not Walter Trump. <laughs> Brad Friedman, good luck, world.